When you travel, what is the one thing that entices you to set off on your next adventure? In today's episode, I'm going to explore my one thing with you as we take off on our next trip together. But before we do so, I encourage you to have a think about this question I just proposed, because knowing this one thing will help you in those times of stress and overwhelm. Hello, and welcome to The Anxious Adventure. I'm thrilled you're here today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Katie Schlegel, your host here on The Anxious Adventure podcast, and I'm an anxious adventurer. I know that may sound contradicting, but I'm here to tell you that if the thought of traveling somewhere brings up those feelings of anxiety or stress, you've come to the right place. I've traveled to over 17 countries around the world. I've lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and trekked across South America solo. I don't say these things to impress you. No, that is not what I'm here for. I say these things to let you know that every single one of those experiences had moments where my anxiety made me feel like I could not do it. So if that's how you feel or have ever felt, you are not alone. I am right there with you. I want to thank everyone who has taken the time to listen to each of my episodes. You know, I didn't know if this podcast would resonate with anyone, but the feedback I'm getting is that it is, and that makes me super happy to hear. The only way to get this podcast out there is with your help. So here's a big ask. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, please follow and maybe even hit those five stars if you like the podcast. (laughs) And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can even leave a kind review. It can be short, sweet, and to the point, and I'd really be so grateful. Before we figure out what that one thing is, and Jet set off on to our next adventure, I have some travel news for you. One of my friends and I were talking the other day about traveling solo and how you just want to feel safe when you're traveling by yourself. And to be honest, one of the questions I'm asked often is, did you go on that trip by yourself or did someone go with you? While I love traveling with people, I also love traveling solo. But it can be difficult to convince yourself that you can actually do it. Trust me, I've had numerous self-pep talks to encourage myself that I can in fact do it. So I totally get it if solo travel is not for you. It can be quite scary, but if you're at all curious about trying a solo trip, then I have some news that may just be right up your alley. You know me, I love to research. So after that conversation with my friend, I was curious and I looked up which is the best place to travel to if you're a solo traveler. In my inquiry, I discovered a top 10 list that just came out for 2023. I'm not going to reveal all those in this episode because I'll be doing my next episode all about this top 10 list, and we'll dive in a little deeper to each place for you. However, I wasn't surprised to see this country at the number one spot on the list. I wonder if you can guess which country it is. Drum roll, please. It's Japan. Are you shocked, surprised, or did you already know it? I was not surprised one bit. In fact, on my trip to Japan, I felt even more safe in Tokyo than my own city of San Diego. Granted, I was not alone in Japan. I was with my mom, but still it felt very safe. And here's why I think I did. 
According to a recent study, which I'll reveal in my next episode, Japan is the world's safest country for solo tourists. Thanks to its incredibly low crime rates, travelers can be assured of safety in large cities such as Tokyo and Osaka. It has a lot to do with the fact that being alone is something that's celebrated and appreciated in Japan. In fact, being alone is such a normal thing that it's incorporated into the Japanese lifestyle. There's even a term used to refer to people doing things alone. Now, I don't speak Japanese, so bear with me, but it's kind of pronounced Ustoisama, which translates to party of one. Often in other countries, you can feel really out of place being a solo traveler. But rest assured, Japan is not one of those countries. So if you're planning to go on your first solo trip, but aren't sure where to go or are nervous about traveling by yourself, then look into heading to Japan. You will not be disappointed. In fact, I'm here to get your feet wet before you dive in, because Japan is actually where we will be traveling to today. It's the country that made me realize my one thing. And maybe, just maybe, it will do that for you too. I want to invite you to join me on our next adventure. So grab your passports because we're about to embark on a trip to Japan. And the amazing city of Tokyo is our destination. Welcome to Japan, an amazing country filled with traditions of culture and vibrant modernity. Japan is an island country in East Asia. It's situated in the Northwest Pacific Ocean and is bordered on the west by the Sea of Japan, extending from the Sea of Aosuke in the north toward the East China Sea, Philippine Sea, and Taiwan in the south. Japan is part of the Ring of Fire and spans an archipelago of 14,125 islands, with the five main islands being Hokkaido, Honshu, the mainland, Shikoku, Kyushu, and Okinawa. Japan is the 11th most populous country in the world, as well as one of the most densely populated. About three-fourths of the country's terrain is mountainous, concentrating its highly urbanized population on narrow coastal plains. Japan has nine forest ecoregions, which reflect the climate and geography of the islands. They range from subtropical moist broadleaf forests in the Yuku and Bonin Islands, to temperate broadleaf and mixed forests in the mild climate regions of the main islands, to temperate coniferous forests in the cold winter portions of the northern islands. Japan has over 90,000 species of wildlife as of 2019, including the brown bear, the Japanese macaque, the Japanese raccoon dog, the small Japanese field mouse, and the Japanese giant salamander. Tokyo is the capital and is the most populated city in Japan. It serves as Japan's economic center and is the seat of both the Japanese government and the emperor of Japan. Here are some fun facts for you on Tokyo. Tokyo used to be called Edo. Tokyo has more neon signs than Las Vegas. 
you will be helped or pushed to get onto the train in Tokyo. The Tokyo Skytree is the tallest tower in Japan. Tokyo is one of the safest cities in the world. Tokyo is a fashion capital. And Tokyo is where our adventure begins today. In the early days of Mariposa Skies, I had a general idea of where I wanted to go with it as a business, but nothing solid. I had just come home from my first buying trip from Morocco, and I had the travel bug, and so did my mom, and our sights landed on Japan. As we were preparing for this buying trip to Japan, I knew I wanted to go to Tokyo. I loved the street fashion and the mix of tradition and modern culture, so I wanted to explore it more. My mom was always up for an adventure, so off we went. I was lucky enough to find a direct flight from San Diego to Tokyo. It was a 10-hour plane ride, but my mom and I were up for the challenge. During our research, my mom found this lovely little hotel in Asakusa called Red Planet. And we were in luck, too, because there was a limousine bus from the airport to one of the hotels right down the street from our hotel. It was perfect. Asakusa is one of Tokyo's older districts. It's characterized by its narrow alleyways packed with noodle shops, shopping streets, and a grand temple, Sinsoji, all of which are flanked by modern department stores. It is a richly cultured area and a must-visit for anyone going to Tokyo, and we just so happen to be staying right in the center of it. For a cultural anthropologist such as myself, I was soaking up and learning everything I could about Tokyo and Japan. For the first day or so, we just explored our surrounding area. We went to the Sensoji Temple, and we walked along all the shopping streets in and around our area. When approaching the temple, visitors will first enter through the Thunder Gate, or Kamenarium. It's the outer gate of the Sensoji Temple. It's also the symbol of Asakusa and really the entire city of Tokyo. Before getting to the temple, you'll walk down a shopping street of over 650 feet or 200 meters long, called Nakamise. It leads you from the outer gate to the temple's second gate, the Hozimam. Alongside typical Japanese souvenirs such as yukata, or those summer kimonos, and folding fans, you will discover various traditional local snacks from the Asakusa area that are sold along the, the Nakamase. The shopping street has a history of several centuries. It was so fascinating to walk down and to observe all the everyday happenings of Japanese as well as tourist life. I found one store in particular that had the most amazing block printed fabrics. It was then that I was introduced to the Furoshiki. This one piece of fabric has so much history dating back centuries and deserves its very own episode, because I couldn't quite possibly just give you the short of it right now. While my mom and I explored Tokyo and went into all the different shops, I kept getting surprised that many of the items were in fact not made in Japan. I started to get discouraged and was thinking that this trip, while amazing as it was, I might not find any fashion from Japan that I'd bring back with me. You see, I was still in the discovery phase of Mariposa Skies and what I wanted it to be. I didn't know just yet that it was going to be about the artisans and helping them be seen and noticed. At that point in my Mariposa Skies journey, 
I just knew I wanted to at least have the items I sell in the shop be made in the country of where I bought them. As discouraged as I was, there was a silver lining. I found out that there was a fashion convention in town while my mom and I were there. And all I had to have was a business card to get in, and my associate, aka my mom, had to have a business card of her own as well. So we went to what felt like the very outskirts of Tokyo to this fashion convention. Man oh man, was my mom such an amazing travel buddy. As we arrived, I noticed that it was quiet and not very crowded, which always made me a little timid because that meant I might have to talk to people. (laughs) I know, you can't win with me. Too many people is too much energy and too few people makes me nervous and feel like I'm on a parade. I would love to tell you that the fashion convention was everything and more, but alas, it was not. In my mind, I was hoping it would be all these amazing designers from all around Japan. I was convinced this was going to be the start of connecting with Japanese fashion designers. However, it turned out to be all international designers from Europe wanting to get into the Japanese fashion industry. Whoops, that was my bad. I must not have understood the website very well. I mean, it was in Japanese, translated by Google, so you can see how things could have been lost in translation. Not all was lost, though. There were some lessons that I learned along the way, of course. First, I realized I was not going to find the connections I wanted with Japanese artisans in a big, fancy fashion convention. Second, I found out that my mom and I navigated big international cities together quite well. And third, it really is the journey, not the destination, that makes this process fun and exciting. You just have to change the way you look at it. My mom and I searched all over Japan trying to find artisan-made items and made-in-Japan items. My mom even looked up how to write in Japanese, made in Japan, so we could ask people in the shops. I remember very clearly that I had to learn to keep moving forward. Shop after shop, street after street. I just had to keep moving forward. And to be quite honest, I would not have been able to do it without my mom cheering me along and offering copious amounts of her amazing encouragement every single day of our trip. It was hard finding Japanese artisan-made fashion wares. That was a fact. And here it is, you guys. My one thing. Are you ready? The one thing that kept me going and became my mantra, if you will, was connect, Katie, connect. I kept repeating that to myself the entire trip. After all, that has been, since the very beginning, what I've wanted Mariposas guys to do. Connect cultures. And more so, connect people. I'd love to tell you after I came upon my one thing all fell into place, but it didn't. (laughs) In fact, I gave up and just wanted to enjoy some time away from the city. Little did I know this would be the secret. Let me explain. My mom had been to Japan with my dad back in the 70s, and she remembered this little seaside town that was just about a 45-minute train ride away from Tokyo called Kamakura. So, feeling a little discouraged, we packed up a little day bag and headed to the train station. 
After arriving, we sat in this little tiny of a restaurant, having some German brats and champagne. Yep, I know. Strange. But it was so good. With our bellies full, we set off to see the big Buddha statue that Kamakura is famous for. It was truly an amazing sight to see in person. And what made it even better was that in the back of this little area was a little tucked away, out of the way place with a Japanese garden. We wandered our way back there by chance while eating some green tea ice cream. It was so serene and I felt myself finally relaxing and enjoying the trip. We sat there for a good 30 minutes, listening to the water trickling out from the fountain and admiring the feeling of calm. It was the best day so far. Just what I needed, and it wasn't even over yet. As I've mentioned, Japan has a lot of shopping streets, and Kamakura was no different. And as you also already know, I love me some good old shopping. And since my spirits were a little down, I thought I'd do some retail therapy. There were two main shopping streets in Kamakura, one closer to the main part of town and one just a stone's throw away from the Big Buddha. Since we were closest to the Big Buddha shopping street, we thought we'd start there. As we meandered down the streets, I happened upon a shop that looked like everything was made in Japan. It was very Japanese in style and energy. Curious, I popped in to take a look. As soon as I stepped in the door, it was like my heart skipped a beat. Coin purses, fabrics, money wallets, stationery, everything was made in Japan. My mom and I looked at each other and just laughed. We couldn't believe it. Finally, we found our made in Japan mecca. And guess what? After I shopped to my heart's content in that store, the store next door sold these amazing coin purses called Gamaguchi. And the best part? It was a small family-owned business who employed around six or so artisans who made these purses. I mean, it couldn't have gotten more perfect than that. The day continued on like this, with finding more and more fashion items made in Japan as my mom and I just talked and laughed about how amazing it all came together. Here's what I believed happened, though. I was pushing so hard to find Japanese-made fashion. I kept pushing and pushing to the point that I would not let it go, creating so much resistance, and then I got discouraged. But it wasn't until that discouragement kicked in that I finally just gave up, or what I now see as surrender. It was at that point of surrendering and letting go of the struggle that everything started to fall into place. It was almost like I was walking around Tokyo with blinders on, and so stubbornly not able to see anything. But when I finally surrendered and went on a daycation to Kamakura, I finally was able to see what I was looking for. Fashion made in Japan. But it all started with my one thing. Connect, Katie, connect along with a little secret splash of good old surrendering. I think that is the magic combo for me. So I leave you with the same question as I asked you at the start of our adventure today. What is the one thing that entices you to set off on your next adventure? Or maybe to state it a little differently, 
What is the one thing that brings you back time and time again to set off into the unknown? If you're finding it difficult to pinpoint that one thing, think back over your past adventures and your past travel trips to see if there are any common threads among them that made them special. I want you to think of this one thing as being what guides you or what anchors you, kind of like your why of why you travel. Once you figure this one thing out, traveling this great planet as an anxious adventurer will start to become much easier. I promise. All right, this is the part of the episode where I ask you to write in and tell me your travel stories. I believe your stories are super important and worth being told and heard. So if you're willing to share your travel experiences with me so that they can be shared here on the podcast, I would love to receive them. Please email me at anxiousadventurersclub at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line, my travel experience, and then fill that email with your story or stories. I know this is another big ask to put yourself out there and tell your story. But I really think in the end, it's going to help a lot of people. I can't wait to see your story in my inbox. Before I close out this episode, there are a few things I want to remind you of. Be sure and check the show notes. I've linked to everything that I've mentioned in today's episode, including some of the fashion I found in Japan that you can find on my website. And be sure to follow me on Instagram. That's the place where I share all the photographs, videos, and visuals for each podcast, as well as tell the stories of the artisans and more travel adventures. Okay, that concludes this adventure for today. I hope you enjoyed traveling with me to Japan on my second buying trip from Mariposa Skies. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little, laughed a little, and my hope is that it left you with some things to think about. All right, that's it for now. Until next time, my dear anxious adventurers, ciao, besos.